Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. We're really excited because we've got a birthday edition here. We are celebrating the two-year birthday of Oasis Falafel of Omaha. Very excited about that. We're going to get into more of that later and talk about it. But first, got to introduce my guests. We've got Mike and Kelly Osler. They own Oasis um, Falafel of Omaha. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, I I just want to start off by saying you guys opened my eyes to falafel because I, I had falafel a couple at a couple different restaurants. I had it catered into my workplace a couple times, and every time I had it, I never disliked it, but it was just kind of like, okay, th- th- mm-hmm. this is fine. This is you know, it's just kind of like for those who don't know, falafels you know like ground up chickpeas with spices and then deep fried, and and I never really had a good version of it, and so I was just like, nah, I don't really need this in my life. It's whatever. <laughs> but then I kept hearing good things about Oasis, so I was like, okay, if there's a place to try it, it's a place that has falafel in the name, and I did try it, and it was fantastic. Just the flavors were so much more enhanced. It was really crispy on the outside without being greasy or anything. So I guess I just, to start this off, I kind of want to open it up to you guys. What makes great falafel? Well, I think you really just described my experience discovering falafel in Iowa City, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into the origin story about this cuisine, our specific version of it later. But to answer your question, it it all starts with the, the humble chickpea, we buy them in bulk, dry. It is obviously a, a key ingredient in our hummus as well. But for the falafel, we soak it overnight and just with cold water and let that soak overnight at room temperature. And then the next day, we press it through a meat grinder with, you know, we use like whole onions and some recipes call for jalapeno and stuff like that for spice. We keep it simple, just some garlic and and we use a lot of cilantro. All the recipes call for a lot of parsley and different herbs. And then a blend of spice that can range from extra garlic, cumin and coriander, Middle Eastern fare. And I think the, with the, using the meat grinder, not to give away our trade secrets, but it does <laughs> yeah. give us, it gives us that trade, that, that texture yes. that you're looking for. And, uh, you know, some recipes use a leavening agent like baking soda or things of that nature. Some actually use flour and make it more of a bread. Mm-hmm. But we like to use just the the bean itself and those mm-hmm. raw veggies. And I think that gives it that unique texture that you just described with the crunchy exterior and kind of smushy interior. But yeah. Not, but also, like, it's moist, but it's also not, like, dripping wet. Uh-huh. So... Well, also, I think what you just said about not having that binder, not having that flour or anything else in there to kind of mute the flavors, mm-hmm. you're allowing the chickpeas and then those spices that you mm-hmm. mentioned to really be the star. You don't have anything turning down the volume on that. And I think that, you know, that plays a big part into it as well. Yeah. Now, America is starting to, I think, recognize falafel more, and it's becoming more an accepted part of the cuisine. People are starting to really understand it. But it's like a really big deal in other parts of the mm-hmm. world. I guess, can you guys kind of hit us just real quick with kind of like where falafel comes from and, and its importance in other countries? Definitely. Well, I was going to say, so one of the nice things that's kind of affirming to us about knowing that we've got the right quality, part of it is our partners are from Israel. So mm-hmm. this is what they grew up eating. This is the authentic version. 
And when we have people who have traveled to the Middle East, um, either have studied or have family live there, various things that take them there, and then they come and think that I'm not going to find that here in the Midwest, especially, maybe in a bigger city on a coast, but they come and they try ours and they're like, oh, this is the real stuff. Uh-huh. Like, this is what I used to eat back home. And so that's that's been really important for us to make sure that we're staying authentic since this isn't the food that we grew up on, mm-hmm. um, that we keep it to what people that live there are eating and keeping it authentic. So Yeah, so you, you touched on the location, Israel, the Middle East. It's said to have like even more historic origins in Egypt. So that whole Mediterranean basin... Falafel is on every corner, just like a burger joint's on every corner here mm-hmm. in the Midwest, mm-hmm. which, you know, is kind of a unique parallel, if you will. Now that we're here serving falafel in the Midwest, it would be almost as foreign as opening a burger joint. Yeah, that's crazy. In downtown Morocco or yeah. Tel Aviv. But, yeah, we're, we're honored to be able to make these recipes. And like Kelly mentioned, we do have business partners who are Israeli-Americans and grew up eating this stuff. And it is it is an eye-opening experience if you get it just right. Mm-hmm. You can see why it's so popular worldwide. And to further answer your question, it goes back, you know, centuries, yeah. thousands of years. So it's pretty cool. I think I first heard about it. Actually, there was a game called Conquest of Camelot where King Arthur goes to the Middle East, and this is a low-tech computer game, and you can, say, eat at a falafel stand. And really? Yeah, I was like, just a kid then. <laughs> And then I also remember uh, Batman Begins with Christian Bale mm, mm-hmm. when the when the crooked cop steals the tip jar from the guy's falafel cart. And he's yeah. like, I got kids to feed. Yeah, like, they don't like falafel. <laughs> you know, all those little jokes in pop culture. We like catch them now. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we're talking about falafel. Yeah, I want some. So I would imagine, especially for Omahans, you guys are probably the gateway. To most people for falafel. I mean, it, like I mentioned, it's available at some other restaurants, mm. but it's definitely not like a highlight of the menu or anything. It, it's something that might be just there as a veg or a vegan option or something like that. What is that feeling like for you guys when you have a new customer and they try out falafel and you just you get to see that expression on their face where they, like you just talked about a couple minutes ago, Kelly, where it's just like that aha moment where it's like, whoa, this is this is something cool. Well, one of the best things about being the cashier or, like, being that front person, because I was the cashier for the longest time back when we had customers in the restaurant. Um, We'll get there again. We'll get there again. Um, But we even have on our cuisine guide, like, never try to falafel, ask us. We give you a sample of a falafel. So happily with a little hummus, a little baba ganoush, so you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it is lovely to watch people who are very skeptical – or very meat and potatoes, I got drug here to, you know, because somebody else wanted to eat here, and fine, I'll come with. And then they try it, and they're like, oh, this is this is good. Okay, I could eat this. Uh-huh. Like, all right, tell me about the rest of the menu. I mean, we're the falafel joint, so we better live up to that. Right. That's our bread and butter is the falafel and hummus. So that's kind of what we really want people to, to taste. Yeah. And so it's the- fun to watch. Yeah, it, it means a lot to be able to introduce people here in the Midwest who might not have had it before and just kind of go through the paces that Kelly described. And it can be a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> is there like, 
Do you guys feel any kind of like a pressure that comes with that? Because if it's like, oh, if they don't like this, they might never have falafel again. Or is it to the point where you guys are just so confident in the product that you're just like, oh, yeah. That you, if you don't like this, then you just don't have taste I'd, buds. I'd say we're confident, but not from a place of like arrogance. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's simply like these recipes are tried and true and we adore them. We eat it every day and we're just happy to share it with people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like on a rare occasion, someone might not like it and we don't lose an, a, a wink of sleep over that because most people are on board. Uh-huh. Well, and, and most people, even the if they're the not merrier. loving the falafel, there's so many other things. Right. Like our menu is pretty expansive. We, mm-hmm. It's, it's a very prep heavy menu. We've got a lot of different sides and options. So people can create, even if they don't like falafel or they don't like shawarma or they don't like salad or whatever, you know, they can really kind of mix and match what they want and find something that they do like. So that's, that's a nice part about our menu as well. Mm-hmm. How do you guys prefer to eat falafel? Like, because there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You could mm-hmm. you could just eat it plain. You could have it in the pita. You could dip it in some hummus. Like, what's your favorite yeah. way? You said you eat it every day. How do you prefer well, to eat it? I will. This is a, you kind of open a can of worms here. Oh, boy. <laughs> here we good, go. In a good way. Well, we wanted to touch on how deep the menu is. Yes. For one. And then I also want to take this opportunity to kind of further define falafel because a lot of people. Let's do it. Well, Again, I'll use the the analogy or the parallel of a burger because when people say, I want a falafel, it could be very similar to us saying, I want to go get a burger, which indicates you're getting a sandwich, right? So when you say, I want a falafel, you could assume that it's going to be the pita. We use the pocket pita. That's uh-huh. our traditional way of doing it with the hummus and all the salads and all the sauces with the falafel in there as the meat of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. I've described them as little... Veggie ball burgers, basically, mm-hmm. or veggie burger balls. <laughs> and uh, um, so along the same lines, if you get a burger, the burger patty, the ground beef, like that's the meat is also the burger. So traditionally it's in a sandwich and Kelly can get into how we are very aware of food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And, and we also, we love that we can be a vegan option just I don't want to say by happenstance, but a lot of these recipes are ancient, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're crafted from religious backgrounds where meat eating is not an option or just not available mm-hmm. or only certain days of the week. So throughout the week, you're eating these meals that'll fill you up with, with vegetarian, vegan options. So I personally... Uh, so my wife is gluten-free, pretty much makes me gluten-free. It's true. Yeah. Occasionally, like, there's no substitute for having this the whole package deal, but they are delicious on their own. They're great as a snack. You can just have a couple and dip them in the hummus or just have them on the side of your plate with a variety of different options, your salads, and just kind of have it more of a fork and knife kind of meal. Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit, really. Well, when a new customer comes in and they, they ask, like, what's good here? And I really kind of start with, do you feel like a sandwich or a plate? Mm-hmm. And then we can really build it from there. But sometimes the best way to do it is just to get the straight falafel pita, start with the the basic, and see what we're all about. That really sums it all up. Um, but personally, even prior to being gluten-free, I still really rocked the plates. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a Sultan's plate kind of gal. I don't know how people only choose three for the genie's plate. I've always had four. 
Um, but I, I really like to just kind of mix and match on my plate. I think it's fun. And that's the nice thing about our plates is you can, you could literally eat with us every single day and not get bored. Yeah. The menu's massive. Yeah. So like you can recreate your own thing every day and not feel like, Oh, I ate the same thing every day. Like, no, you can come get something new. So I'm always been kind of a plate gal, but that's just how I roll. Can't go wrong. And on our menu, we will throw you a pita too with the oh, plate. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So oh yeah. You can always so you can just kind of build your own stuff. A little mini sandwich and mm-hmm. have your leftovers. And yeah, I want to take this moment right now to just kind of plug it. Even if someone is listening and they're still a little bit of a little bit on the fence about trying falafel, that you guys mentioned, there is more than falafel here. Like that. That's right. kind of the highlight of the menu. But you guys have a lot of meat options as well. You've got gyro kebabs, beef kafka. Uh, chicken shawarma, chicken kebabs, vegetable kebabs, lamb kebabs. Like there's a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff on the menu. Is there anything else kind of that you guys want to highlight as like a, if someone were to come in for the first time and maybe, you know, maybe they want to try that side of falafel, like you said, but for mm-hmm. their entree, they want to stick to something a little more familiar to them. What mm-hmm. would you guys recommend? Really? It's kind of what you're in that, the mood for that day. Yeah. I mean, you listed off basically everything that comes off the grill. <laughs> yeah. So if you're feeling like chicken, we got your chicken. If you're feeling like beef, we got your beef. And, you know, it's not as exotic as some of these names might sound. Mm-hmm. You know, the seasoning is, is heavy and it's unique, but it's not. They're tasty, though. Yeah, it's nothing too abrasive or not even that spicy with a lot of heat. I mean, you can add heat if you want with our sauces and things like that, but. You know, you can't go wrong with a chicken kebab and a side of fries, you know. The, but we'll probably put a little hummus on your plate just to be like, just taste it. Just yeah. try see, it. Yeah. See where yeah. this takes you. We've definitely been known to do something along those lines. But, yeah, the kebab plate, for, especially for someone that walks in, it's like I'm expecting meat and potatoes or meat and rice, then great, we've got that for you. Or if you come in and I ask, are you vegan or have any food sensitivities, then great, I can easily craft you one of a million vegan options. Um, or we can adapt things to be gluten-free as well so um, or avoid other food allergens or needs. So, But the kebab plate is often a good place for people to start if they're really craving like a taste test of a couple different things. If they're wanting kebabs, you can get a little veggie, a little meat, you can get a couple salads, so it's a good way to go. And on the kebab plate, we always put a garnish falafel there too, just in case. Yeah, you got to tempt those taste buds. Say, okay, here's a lot of good stuff. Now just try this. And next time you're going to want more of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. I want to get into the origin story now. Uh, Oasis actually started, the original location is in Iowa City. It started Mm -hmm. in about 2006. Um, Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, you guys are coming up on your your two-year anniversary. What made you think that the... Um, just the business would make sense in Omaha and that it would flourish here? Well, there were a, a few different signs. Okay. There's a couple different points that I can touch on to, to answer that. And just for the record, it was 04. October of 04 is when they opened. My mistake. It's okay. I, I have that in my notes. I have 2004, and I just can't read. <laughs> so that's my own You're fault here. You're good. No, so been around they, a minute. Yeah, they just uh, last fall celebrated 15 years in business, and, of course, they're still doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, despite 2020, we're all in this together. Like, the whole world is, and then the Oasis teams, yeah. we uh, continue to communicate at a distance. And so there's their origin story, and then there's also our background and Kelly and I are both from Council Bluffs, mm-hmm. and we grew up here in the metro. Went to school in Iowa City at the University of Iowa, and I was there from 2001 
until we moved back in 2017, and and she started school in 03 after she graduated high school, and we got married out there, and that's a whole other story, <laughs> but decided to stay put and kind of start our new lives together in the Iowa City area. So we were out there a total of 15, 16 years, and in that time, when I was in college, I started cooking at one of the local bar and grills just as a job, just, you know, for rent money and everything, and just found out I kind of had a knack for it. And when I was done with college, I just kept cooking as a way to make a living, you mm-hmm. know. And then eventually we got married and had a house and started taking things more seriously. And that's when I started to take cooking a little more seriously, too. And, and the whole other side of the industry, we were I worked actually at a few distribution warehouse in Iowa City, UNFI, and had a lot of experience there on the inside of the the food chain. So that was all interesting. And it was during that moment I realized, you know, let's let's see what we can do. Like, what if I did become an executive chef at a place? And I worked my way up at a couple of spots and got some great experience doing that in the local area of Iowa City. And it would have been, it was around 2015 that... I realized, so I had already gotten back in, I left UNFI, we were back in the restaurant scene, and we had our baby boy, and he would have been about four years old at this point. Already loving falafel, by the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we would go to Oasis. Oasis was always kind of there, you know, while we were living there, and and we just loved the food as customers, and it was amazing. Um. Kelly and I have a lot of vegan background, and she mentioned the food sensitivities in our family, and we just had this ambition to come to Omaha and open our own place, and really what kind of sparked it was when Modern Love was looking for an executive chef Mm -hmm. around that time, because Issa was looking to go back to Brooklyn and open another Modern Love location, which was really cool, so we thought, hey, those are our old stopping grounds, what if we did that and uh it didn't work out at that time because we didn't end up moving for another year and a half Mm -hmm. it was just kind of in the idea phase yeah but it was still an awesome opportunity and that kind of sparked our interest like what if we did do this and it was around that time that we were becoming friends with oasis just through the food community in iowa city and we decided just to put our heads together and they knew they knew their restaurant inside and out, obviously, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And with our experience, Kelly's experience in customer service and mine with back of house and, and some front of house management in restaurants, we just started scouting out locations in Omaha and just getting our feet wet, you know, seeing what the, how the scene had evolved. And it was so cool what Omaha had going on here. Mm-hmm. And although there was plenty of Middle Eastern options, and Mediterranean food, and we ate at all of them. Like, nothing was quite like what they had going on in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And I said, guys, like, I think we would be a good fit out here. And, of course, we had no idea where the restaurant would land as far as location and what district of Omaha. But we're really happy to be downtown because there's a lot of parallels and similarities to Iowa City mm-hmm. and downtown Omaha. A lot of diversity, a lot of young people, a lot of, you know, Foot people, people traveling, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. foot traffic. So I guess just knowing what the 
like the beat and of the, the city is. Mm-hmm. Having been here, having lots of friends and family here, there's so much crossover, and Kelly can get into that too, between Iowa City and Omaha, which is some of our the funnest parts is when people recognize Oasis. Because yeah. they went to because school the, yeah, there, they're from Iowa City they came area. here for a job, or that's that's been a lot of fun that they just... We've had a number of customers, even before we opened, we were just building out, walked by, like, they knew the logo. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, is this true? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we already we already had a little bit of a fan base before we even opened, which was lovely. And then it was spreading that word that, no, really, these guys are really good. I had them in Iowa City. So. And now Kelly and I never owned a place ourselves before. Uh-huh. And just the opportunity to, to partner with this successful group of guys who had just nailed the food now keep in mind too they had no restaurant experience before they opened oasis they just went in went for it they had business experience but not necessarily restaurant business experience but it just at the end of the day it comes down to the food and if you give it a try you know i think you'll love it and we just wanted to have the opportunity to to show up and offer it to people so I, I, I want to get back to the origin story, but I have to get back because you just mentioned the food and, yes. <laughs> and, and you talked about how, you know, your experience was similar to mine and that you had falafel and it was like, you know, fine or whatever, but then you had Oasis's falafel and it was just like a whole new food item. Do you guys remember the first time that you went to Oasis and what that experience was like in Iowa city? Do you? I don't specifically. I just remember that I was always going there. So you would have been like a f- mm-hmm. sophomore when they opened. Well, you know, like when you're, you're a young college student in Iowa City, you don't stray off the ped mall very far. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, Not to mention it's kind of a blur anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but eventually, like once you, when the students leave and it's calmer and you can like, explore the city more, I mean, that was a regular place that we'd swing by and mm-hmm. pick up food. So, right. And then also when they started distributing the hummus out of the restaurant, which mm-hmm. is something we'll discuss too mm-hmm. because we, we followed that business model. When we started finding the hummus in Hy-Vee and we just connected it back to the restaurant, yeah, that was kind of its own thing as well where it was just became part of your life <laughs> in Iowa City. It was just you were there and Oasis was there and you met in the middle. I, I can't remember my specifically my first time eating there. Yeah. I do remember in like 2009, do you remember the Hall Mall? So I mentioned I was in, well, this is before we started rolling. I love your studio. It just reminds me of my music recording days, (laughs) which are still ongoing, not as frequent now that we're in the restaurant business. Takes up a lot of time. Yeah. But we had this little studio and I just remember cleaning it out and there was a menu from Oasis from like 09 and I showed over. He's like, man, that is old. Whoa. (laughs) Which doesn't seem that long ago, but... A lot changes at a restaurant. Like there's quite an evolution Mm -hmm. over even just even the two years that we've been open. Things have evolved and changed. And I mean, COVID's only a part of that, but just naturally it progresses. um, So it is fun to see them noticing that, oh man, yeah, from 2009, that's that's old. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll never, so I don't remember my specific first time, but I'll never forget taking Calvin there when he was first eating solid foods. Your son. Yeah, Yeah, so son Cal. uh, Just knowing like, you know, kids are notoriously challenging to train to eat well, so we were doing our best to offer him wholesome foods that he could chew, and and we're just like, try this hummus, mm-hmm. and of course it was a hit. Awesome. Yeah. So just knowing that there was options for the whole family, 
made it one of our go-to spots mm-hmm. back in the day. So, yeah, we're really honored and blessed to be able to bring it home with us back to Omaha. Mike, sure. you brought up earlier that you guys didn't have any experience opening your own restaurant. How much did it help to kind of have those guys in Iowa City to lean back on because they knew what you were going through? And when you hit certain pain points, I, I imagine you could reach out to them and be like, hey, we're, we're struggling with this. You know, how did you get through this? I'm glad you brought that up because I was wanting to mention how special those guys are mm-hmm. and how lucky we are to have Very. the opportunity to partner with them and you know and they saw something in us too they knew we had the ambition and the drive and what was left of our youthful energy (laughs) (laughs) and the talent to pull it off you know like i know food kind of crazy you know i know yeah (laughs) oh it certainly does and you know we have management experience and you know you can read all the books in the world which are actually very helpful i would recommend reading as much as possible but you don't know all that there is to know unless you're in it and doing it and with them backing it up, we just were able to hit the ground running. Well, so, we worked in the Iowa City store before we moved. So true. you you worked there for, I don't even know, eight, nine months. I was mm-hmm. there for, I don't know, three, four months, I think. Um, so we were able to get to know each other um, even more and get to know the business and work through some things. Before we even started talking about, I mean, there's a lot that goes into a business and a partnership beyond us where's the the location going to be you Mm -hmm. know that's just Mm -hmm. one of the pieces of the puzzle um but it was really nice that when we came here they had to rely on us to do a lot of the groundwork and um and then they'd come for visits and we'd drive and we'd look at things and we'd um get a sense of where we want to be and then it becomes all of the okay well now we're negotiating things and so it was really nice to know that wow they've done that i don't have to learn that 100% on our own. So there are definitely moments where we looked at each other and like, can you imagine how long this would have taken if we weren't with them? Mm-hmm. Or what hardships we would have learned the hard way if we weren't with them? So, uh, yeah, we feel really lucky that there were certain things that they have experience doing that we just hadn't done yet. Um, so questions that they knew to ask that maybe we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and now, you know, there's things that they don't have to worry about us. But we also know they're there if we need them. So it's a really great partnership. And yeah, we're really, really it, lucky. it's been invaluable to have them in our side. I mean, for one, just we, like I said, we had the ambition. We had a couple concepts that we were juggling around. We wanted to open a vegan restaurant, uh, you know, similar to Oasis, but just like all vegan, not Mediterranean, but just that concept of fast, fresh, counter service, mm-hmm. you know, counter service, something along those lines. But how it came to be was. We already had this idea, and I said it very matter-of-factly, we're going to Omaha to open our own restaurant like it was going to happen within the next 10 months. And I was like, you know, 10 years, 15 years down the road, <laughs> maybe we'll do that. Uh-huh. And then, but I was ready to go, yeah. you know. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just having a conversation with, with Ofer, one of our partners, and he's like, oh, open Oasis. And it just became, yes, that could work. What, what if we uh, actually did that? Like, what if we did So mold it over for a couple months and then we started talking even more and then they've been approached because they're very well known. They've been approached in the past from various areas and they had to make that decision of, is this the right fit? You know, how are they going to use it? Do I want to be in partnership with these people? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so we had to do all of that too before deciding, Hey, do you want to work with us? Do we want to work with you? 
why Omaha? So that was another thing. Why would it fit well? Um, we were kind of guinea pigs for them yeah, in a way, but uh, not that they intend to open another one anytime soon. In fact, I'm very no, certain that they don't. this is pretty exhausting, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all COVID aside, like, no, we're good with these two locations. Yeah, right now. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's not a franchise model. It's definitely a mom-and-pop effort. Mm-hmm. And we're a family business. I mean, we we had the family, the three of us. And then we had the restaurant. So, mm-hmm. like, our kid is with us all the time. Like, he is growing up restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's really yeah, important that's for super us to, to maintain that balance, too. So, because it, it does demand a whole lot of hours. So. And mm-hmm. then another great thing working with these guys is they recognize our creativity. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, they, they didn't have the restaurant experience before. You know, they have these recipes. They hit it out of the park with their business model. The food's amazing. They really maxed out their capacity. I don't know if, if you ever had a chance to eat in Oasis before we I have closed. not yet. I've just had it to go, yeah. Well, eventually you'll be there and see that the, the dining room, while it is small, it's still got like a nice flow to it. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of room. Theirs is like a little more compact uh-huh. in comparison. And, man, they were making, I forget. I remember our friend Cassie who works there. <laughs> our friend Cassie who works there uh, said they... They looked up how much the average elephant weighs and calculated that they make two and a half elephants worth of hummus per month. Goodness. And, <laughs> and I was sitting, well, and now they, yeah, it's, it's because they got someone coming in at three in the morning every day of the week, working mm-hmm. till 11 when the restaurant opens, making batch after batch. So, yeah, we do a fraction of that, and it's still, like, it's still more, more work it's than we can do in 24 hours. But one thing that I always felt really really great about was when Ofer and I first put our heads together. I mean, all four of us did Ofer and Folly and Kelly and myself, but Ofer and I had kind of this side project where we were putting on this culinary event at the University of Iowa. This was in March of 2017, right before we actually sold our house and moved back to Iowa, or excuse me, moved back to Omaha. And during that time, we really like got into Middle Eastern cookbooks, just kind of looked through all of these recipes, and they visit Israel a lot, like usually once a year, not so much right now, but uh, they have just a ton of experience on all these different dishes. So they really kind of leaned into me for my culinary background. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a lot of fun. And now we have <laughs> we we've hired we have a chef on board here in Omaha and we like to get creative and even though we do have a pretty deep menu we're still coming up with features and new things we want to try so you just segued perfectly into yes. where i wanted to go next like you couldn't have done that any better because we practiced actually i do have a background <laughs> in, in media uh because i mean you are you are a chef you've done this you have created food i'm sure I, you know, just from talking to different chefs, your neurons are constantly firing when you're eating things, when you're seeing things, when you're experiencing things. It's how can I incorporate this into my menu? How can I change the cooking technique to make this better? What if I added this spice? Things like that. And I mean, like, I see you guys come out with new items, like something, uh, the smoky fries were a big thing that you guys had over the last couple weeks, like mm-hmm. smoky the fries, smoky the, the, the fries. The fries. I, I'm very sorry. Um, we but, like having fun. We're nerds. We're just a bunch of nerds. I don't know if you've noticed social media wise, but like, this yeah, is we a like nerd to have friendly fun. podcast. Yeah, my, we love it. It's make, my Facebook personal Facebook page says that I'm my j- occupation is hummus slinger and meme maker. 
it's true. Perfect. For Oasis. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's pretty much what I do. But I, I do want to like, what is the balance for you in leaning on those guys who are always going back to Israel and they have their tried and true recipes that made the restaurant a success originally versus trying out kind of some new concepts and, and seeing what works? Well, I think for one, well, ultimately, if I make something and they taste it and they say it's good, we roll with it. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're not here. Like, we do want to honor the traditional recipes and methods and we're learning a lot of those as we go along. And like Niftali said, you know, we're an American restaurant. You know, this is a Mediterranean concept, but ultimately we're here. We know our audience. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's a hybrid necessarily, but I mean, take the fries, for instance. I mean, I've worked in most restaurants. I've worked, load stuff up on fries and it's a hit, you know. It's, that was it's COVID times where, like, people need comfy food, yep. stuff on fries, <laughs> well, you know. And, and they, they have fries, obviously. In Israel, in the Middle East, they eat fries all the time. In fact, stuffing fries in the pita sandwich is a regular thing. Mm -hmm. And we just pretty much said, let's add some toppings, some sauces. So, basically, it's just a lot of fun, you know. It's, it's a way to have that creative outlet, get the other cooks involved, do something that's a little off the beaten path, but still under the umbrella of mm -hmm. our flavor profiles that we're trying to recreate every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Because it is very much a machine. You got to get in the routine of doing it every day. And consistency is always priority number one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had some stuff that didn't work because well, we don't serve it, you know. <laughs> yeah. We try not to, to waste too much time with that, but... Basically, we just want to have the best of both worlds, mm -hmm. kind of. I think if we were in the same town, I mean, the four of us would sit and play with food. And yeah. you know, we just don't always get that opportunity. Uh -huh. So, I mean, the nice thing is, is when we run something and one of the guys is like, oh, I'd eat that. Like, oh, excellent. That's good. That's what we're going for. Uh -huh. So, um, and there have been times where it's like, okay, well, we're thinking about doing this. How, you know, does this make sense to you? But for the most part, I mean, we get to be pretty fun and creative, and we really enjoy that. Um, and sometimes it is fairly authentic, and sometimes it's pretty off the wall. <laughs> yeah. And we're okay with that. Like the, the Bobby G sandwich we just ran, like that was off the wall. It shouldn't make sense, but it does. Uh -huh. um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy getting to be creative. It's not a daily task for us because that's not our model, and it's exhausting to mm -hmm. have a feature every day. Mm -hmm. um, so we typically run it for a week or so just for ease and sanity, um, but it also gives people more opportunities to eat it. We, we have people that will eat the special like three times that week. Yeah. So like, great, we'll take it. Well, and I, I love that strategy that you guys have in, you said it's it's not a hybrid, but it is kind of something that's a little bit more traditional, but more familiar to what the average Omaha diner might be or what they might expect. I had a lot of different types of cuisine, chefs of different types of cuisines come in here and say something very familiar where they're like, I might not be able to get people to try African food, but if I put it in a rice bowl for them and I put, and I right. present it to them in a way they understand it, then they love it. And then the next time they come in, maybe they'll try something more traditional. Maybe they'll dive into the menu a little bit more. So I like that you guys are kind of putting that creative spin on it to the point where, yeah, someone can come in and they can order a special three different times and they'll be very happy each time, or they can come in and they can, you know, get a chicken kebab or something that is very 
familiar yeah. and then they the next time they try falafel the next time they you know might try some baba ganoush something that they haven't had before so awesome strategy and then their minds are blown yes well, that's and the even idea our, even our meat pitas still have a couple of falafel balls in there so yeah. it's really to like help incorporate delicious. so sometimes it's a surprise for them even though it's all over the menu but sometimes it's a surprise and they're like oh i like this thing i didn't know what <laughs> yeah. this was what was that thing in there i'm like that's a falafel uh-huh. oh okay Another thing about the features, too, and a lot of chefs in the industry will relate to this, is one, we can come up with creative things to cut down on waste, Mm -hmm. you know, and also support the local community. For instance, it was Miller Dorman Farm just out of the blue called us and said, hey, I'm sitting on a bunch of eggplant. You guys use more eggplant than anyone we know. Yep. (laughs) Would you like to buy this? And we're like, of course we would, but man, we should do something special with it instead of just roast it and blend it beyond recognition to make baba ganoush, yeah. which is delicious. That's what baba ganoush yes. is. Yes, it's a whole But, you know, and therefore we're like, we're going to treat this a little special and draw some attention to it. Shout out the local farm. And then, and Kelly mentioned Bobby Ganoush, who is the, the alter ego of our chef, Derek. <laughs> and that ties into our, our social media game, uh-huh. you know, because, you know, everyone's on social even those who weren't on it before, you know, they have Instagram pages now. But with with our media background, we're trying to take that to the next level as well. well I think you guys do a very good job with that. Very engaging. Yes. Um, I think it's it's one thing to consistently post. It's another to actually interact with customers. And I think that's something that drew me into, you know, try falafel for the first time is, yeah, I'd seen a lot of these posts and I heard people say good things about it. But then I like... I think I tweeted at you a couple of times and you actually got back to me and you like responded and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. There's, there's a person behind this. It's not yes. just some bot spewing <laughs> out stuff. So right. I want to give you props for that. And for the consistent use of the Robin Scherbatsky from <laughs> how I met your mother meme. That's all him. Thank you for noticing. I, I always appreciate that. It's a consistent part. Falafel. Yes. <laughs> I was just saying that, uh, to Kelly, like, it's been about two years. That means we've had about 100 weeks. <laughs> I think I've only missed one, maybe two Fridays where I didn't post the gif of Robin saying falafel when Ted said, I love you. And <laughs> bring yourself to say, I love you. So it's that she said falafel. falafel. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's, that's Falafel Friday, which is another thing that we do. Hashtag Falafel Friday. And people are like, what's Falafel Friday? And like, it's just Friday and we're open. So <laughs> it's just a yeah. great day to eat falafel. You can get well, falafel on Thursdays too, folks. Yes. But it doesn't roll off the tongue nicely. So no, there's not much. a hashtag in that. No. To, but we did to us, really Tuesday. Customer, <laughs> we did. Uh, customer service is really key. Uh-huh. So if you look at it, we get a lot of positive reviews and we're really grateful for every single one of them. Um, but if you notice, a lot of them are talking about the food and a lot of them mention the service. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important to us as well. Um, consistency of the food because we do have people who eat there every day or three or four times a week and um, or every Friday they're there. Um, so better be good every time. And so that's really important to us. But that customer service is, isn't just face-to-face when you walk in to place an order. But um, it's, yeah, someone sending us a message like, I, what high V are you in? Or, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of things. Like we try to be very responsive or we encourage if you have an allergy, message us it's really hard for me to eat out places because if people don't label on their menu, I'm not going to eat at your establishment. And if Mm -hmm. I message you and I get mixed opinion, mixed reviews from one worker to another worker or something, and then I I can't eat there. 
Um, so it's really important that people can get a hold of us, um, and that's what makes it fun for us. I, I've got a customer service background. I don't have a restaurant background. In fact, working at Oasis was my first official restaurant, really. Yeah, well, I had a short, <laughs> a very short stint of serving. Um, but I was a doula for six years, and I thought when we moved that I was going to continue being a doula here in Omaha, and then it became very clear that I was actually – not just a supportive spouse about this new restaurant venture, but I was actually going to do this too. Like Uh this is our business. Oh yeah. Um, So that became very clear. So the customer service front of house side has kind of been my territory and he's obviously more skilled than the back of house, but it's nice that we can work well together, but that customer service is just so important to Mm -hmm. us. So now we've done a lot of talking kind of in and around hummus, but uh-huh. it's time to like fully put that in our sights and and talk about hummus because if you guys weren't known for falafel, I think hummus yes. may, maybe most maybe most people do know you for hummus. It, like that's 1A and 1B in terms mm-hmm. of I feel like what most people associate Oasis falafel with. Mhm. You don't have to give me the trade secrets or anything, but like what makes your hummus so much better than a just, you know, run of the mill. I'll just grab this off the grocery store, you know, whatever. We put love in it. (laughs) (laughs) The secret ingredient. Yeah. You also need the goose. Yeah. Oh, we have a goose. It's a vertical chopper mixer. We call it the goose. Ah, okay. The goose that lays the golden hummus eggs. Gotcha. So it's pretty much just a a food processor on steroids. Mm -hmm. One of the main differences is the fact that we don't put preservatives in it. So when you're tasting the store-bought hummus, um, you're getting that kind of after tang. Not to mention names. It it gives you shelf life, and sure, we compromise on that. But as you can probably attest to, the hummus gets eaten before it will remotely go bad in your refrigerator. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it disappears you know, very so quickly. We're not really hurting ourselves with the shelf life on that because it disappears. Um, but to me, that's one of the biggest differences is without the preservative, it is just such a fresh, creamy flavor. And then, of course, how we mix it and everything just adds to that the mm-hmm. right texture. So The texture, uh, again, I mentioned earlier that we get the dried chickpeas in bulk. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't ever use canned stuff. Uh, hummus, you know, we, we soak the beans, strain them, rinse them off, and then we we simmer them all day long, you know, traditional ways. So It's a multi-day process, that, that's uh-huh. for sure. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to quick whip up a little batch of this hummus. Like, mm-hmm. We have a schedule to mm-hmm. keep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, even when know, we're closed, we're making hummus. Hummus <laughs> is, is, should be very simple. It's a handful of ingredients. It, it's funny, too, when I mentioned our hummus being one of our – flagship products people will say what kind of hummus do you make uh, as in yes. what flavor uh-huh. yeah and i'm just like hummus flavored hummus yeah <laughs> you, don't, you don't know no, but you know we do make at the restaurant part of our features we do different hummus bowls there's a masabica you know we do our what are a handful of the other ones we've done a cauliflower bowl and like a mediterranean bowl and so uh-huh. throw different toppings bowls. on top of it i mean it's it's tasty just blend it with our sauces with our amba the mango yeah. curry the the, scoog, the the hot sauce it can it just all comes together so well but the important part is just that original oasis hummus mm-hmm. and for our vegan nerds at home one of the keys is aquafaba you just save the water help you use that to blend it in and yeah just whip it Beyond recognition. Now, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, go Ofer, ahead. I was just going to say, Ofer told me that hummus is the Hebrew word for chickpea itself. So. 
There you go. So obviously people should come get to-go meals from Oasis, but if they just want to try the hummus by itself, it is available in certain grocery stores. And Mike, I see that you've come prepared. You have them written down. If people want to get their hands on Oasis hummus, (laughs) where can they go? We are in, at the time of this recording, in (laughs) nine of the 13 Hy-Vees in the Metro. Um, I can list them off if you'd like. You, we, you do whatever you want. This is your platform, all right, man. All right, cool. Well, you can find us at West Broadway in Council Bluffs, the Midtown High V on 51st and Center, 90th and West Center Road, uh, Cass Street, which is Peeney Park, 78th and Cass. We're out at 132nd Dodge, which is Linden Market. Out west, we're at 156 in Maple, 180th and Pacific, and Stony Brook. And Papillion. Oh, yeah, we're well. way out at Shadow Lake. Papillion, mm-hmm. yeah. they're one of our best stores. And then we are also in both natural grocery locations here on Dodge Street, 78th and Dodge, and then out west. I also Road. see that you didn't reference your list. You were going through the delivery route in your Yeah, head. this was just happenstance. I could see it, yeah. I, w- I was going to bring that up because I was so impressed. Like, you have your notes. You are very well prepared. You did not glance at them one time yeah. going through that entire He's list. driving in his mind. I can see the route. Right yeah, I just started west and kind of pushed. I delivered to Papillion. That's why he east. forgot it. Well, no worries. Go no worries. beaten path. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's really awesome that Hy-Vee supports local businesses like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Iowa City, they've been selling in, out of the grocery stores for years now. So we were just happy to kind of piggyback off that model and give it a shot. And we've had just a great response, especially starting with the Midtown Hy-Vee. They've become close friends. I actually worked in that deli while we were searching for the location of Oasis. Mm-hmm. So I kind of made some friends there, and it was real easy to pick up the phone and even easier once we said, hey, taste this. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, pre-corona, we were able to post up and do samples. And once mm-hmm. we got a few people buying it, then they would become regular purchasers of the hummus from the grocery stores, just like a regular customer at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, and some people really only know us from the grocery store. Some people, and Iowa City experienced this a lot, too, that people would regularly get it from the grocery store because they figured out it was good. Um but either never really looked at the label or what, that it was also a restaurant. But um, so not everybody can get downtown or mm-hmm. they just know that, okay, every week I go get this. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's really nice too, that people can just grab it and maybe people that wouldn't have tasted it otherwise. So. Mm-hmm. Now, every restaurant has had to kind of make just pivots and kind of do creative things in this, uh, you know, period of COVID-19. Something really cool I think you guys have done is you started doing like, these delivery kits that people can order mm-hmm. online. There's and there's like different varieties of them. There's the the quarantine cuddle kit. Yeah. There's the uh, a family meal kit. There's the fiendish stockpile kit. If you really want to get we after, we sold it. a few of those, which too. comes with a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back when that was a precious, Valuable precious commodity. commodity. Yeah. yeah, or now you can just expensive. like. Uh, create a completely custom order as well, mm-hmm. and just kind of you know pick a la carte items. What was or I guess, how did you guys develop that you were going to do that? Well, well, I just wanted to mention the meme that you made of, of Ross know, Geller. I said pivot. You know oh, that episode yeah. of the Friends when they're moving the couch? <laughs> yeah. That was like, the first meme pivot. I've ever made. <laughs> and it was a hit. I, you remember it that? It basically pivot. said every restaurant owner so right now was pivot because mm-hmm. everyone had to scramble and figure out, okay, what next? Right, yeah. So that very first week that we 
that kind of everything hit and uh, by that we mean closures. Yes, mm-hmm. that um, it was real apparent. That we we're downtown, so we have a lot of offices mm-hmm. and a lot of lunch traffic, mm-hmm. and half that traffic started working from home, you know, or they were closed down for a short time. And so that first week was quite an adjustment. You know, you have a cleaning schedule and you have, like, we had a condiment bar that we shut down. And um, there's just a lot of changes trying to bare bone staff and had no idea what to expect. By the end of that week, we realized that that was not maintainable. And so within a couple days, we had launched the meal kits. Like, we just scrapped it all and said... How do we make this work? We tried to make it work on technology that was not meant to make that work, so we struggled with that for some time. But that was our answer, was we had done catering. We have easy-to-go food. Let's take the food to the people. Like, mm-hmm. you're at home. I got a car. Great. So it became just the three of us, literally, my husband, me, and our child, and we're doing 20, 30 meal kits a day, mm-hmm. the three of us. And doing, day, and do, well, no, twice a, a, week, times a week. But it was And nuts. then doing the hummus operation. So basically, it was really a trying time, but we were really excited to be doing something and taking food to people that couldn't get it on Grubhub or something. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, way out in Elkhorn or Papillion or something. And um, so it was really nice to start that. And we've, we've kept it up and we're going to keep it up for at least a while. That's so. great. Yeah. To our advantage, we catering was part of our business model. We've done several weddings and you know others Office like smaller op- yeah events. You know, feeding twenty to hundred people. You know, and it's pretty much our menu, but in bulk. Mm-hmm. And we're like, how can we come up with like different tiered systems so it's approachable for families? And then that's what you just listed off. So yeah, it w- it was clear as day that second third week in march when we everything went to to go only like even with that like it wasn't sustainable so we figured how how can we get the most out of this restaurant with zero staff basically Mm -hmm. so like the whole staff was furloughed did the unemployment thing and she and i went back to the drawing board and we pretty much quarantined ourselves at the restaurant (laughs) producing the food yeah between our living room at home and like then the dining room became our living room at the restaurant Mm -hmm. so yeah it was pretty much quarantined there and quarantined at the restaurant and so we were able to you know get by with that for a little bit and then on a personal note we had to move homes (laughs) oh boy and That that was something that we had Unfortunately, ha- we're put in the position to commit to well before COVID, but the move itself took place during it. But, you know, it sounds like it could have been awful, which, you know, moving is never fun. But luckily, f- because of the pandemic, we were able to just shut down the restaurant for a couple of weeks, minus the retail operation, yep. and just focus on, you know, moving our possessions to a different house real quick and then <laughs> jumping back into it. And that was around May 1st. We brought the meal kits back and then you know the quarantine had kind of passed and we brought a couple staff members back and just kind of built from there mm-hmm. and right now maybe this is a good time to segue into our well i guess we're already talking about covid but for now just so you know uh our dining room is closed it's curbside only we're doing an abbreviated lunch we menu we plan on staying that way just out of safety sake and mm-hmm. um also our staff i mean it, it's a large headache and an additional risk that 
we just don't need to take for customers or our staff. So we'll just luckily we're able way. to make that work. We're able to make ends meet, which is huge right now. Mm-hmm. You know, just keeping our heads above water and being able to offer our products to people who definitely want them. And you know, unfortunately, like it's a fraction of our original staff, and we miss everyone else, and we miss seeing the customers' faces literally mm-hmm. with the masks. <laughs> we can't mm-hmm. see them. But I'm ching, yeah. But, you know, for now, we're making this work. And, you know, all those grocery stores we mentioned, too, we're like, we're, we're so grateful to have the opportunity. We're, our heart goes out to everyone in the community, just the Omaha at large. But the restaurant scene, man, like, it's, it's an amazing scene. And, you know, I'd be lying to say if we weren't hurting a little, but there's a lot of good energy. And all the chefs are really just pushing their craft forward. So we're happy to be able to have a chance, a fighting chance amongst mm-hmm. them. Yeah. There's you know? yeah, so much resilience and so much creativity, like, you know, what you guys have been talking about yeah. that's going on in, in so many restaurants where people are, you know, they just put their heads down. They say, okay, we're not giving in. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And they're Definitely. figuring it out. They're making it work. Yes. You love to see it. And that is a big part of the reason why you guys have almost made it to two years as a restaurant, September 13th. We're so excited about it. It yeah. it feels a little surreal. You were pointing out that 18 months of it was non-COVID. Right. <laughs> and then the last chunk has been COVID-related. But it's funny. when you If you own your own business, restaurants in particular, like you're not going to see money for a while. Mm-hmm. Like That's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, for many startup businesses, especially, it's, especially mom and pop shops, like it's going to take time. And, and even then the margins are And last slim. spring, prior to COVID throwing all this in our face, was that moment of, like, looking ahead to, first of all, nice weather. Mm-hmm. It's going to be busy, you know. And we planned all the – we had Earth Day and we had Maha and we had all these events lined up. We're like, okay, well, we're going to do it. Like, this year is going to be a good year. We were excited. And then Lower. whammy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited for that for next year. Um, but – it, it is interesting that, you know, it, it takes time to build a loyal clientele. Mm-hmm. There's still people that have never heard of us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really nice to know that we've got a loyal base and we still have so many people that we can teach about our falafel and hummus. So, but yeah, two years. You know, you start out as a baby and as a business crawling and then you walk a little bit. If you're smart, <laughs> you walk a little bit, and then you can run. And I felt like we were going to run this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, it's the whole, we're just staying above water, really, or quicksand or whatever you want to add to the analogy. But mm. um, So it feels weird to be celebrating it without a crowd coming yeah. in. And it's like, yay, we're going <laughs> to... By the way, we're going to have a pop-up dinner service. I wanted to ask about uh, that. But yay, come to our curb, you know, and uh-huh. get food to go. Uh, but we're still really excited to do that in the best way that we can. So so let's talk about that. Yeah. For, for people who are listening to this podcast before the big day, like, mm-hmm. w- what are the plans? Let's, let's break some news here. Well, we've been debating, but we really want to do dinner service, but we're also figuring out what that balance looks like because we're not even into like restaurant slow season and everything yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we figure, you know, let's just have fun with some pop-ups. 
And we thought, let's do one for our birthday. So for Friday night, September 11th, from 4 to 8, we're going to be open and we'll have curbside. We'll have our regular menu, but we'll have a few special items, too, that we'll be announcing. Um, so be sure to follow us on social media for those. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. Our, our hours of operation used to be Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. right? And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we just did lunch. 11 to 3, that was it. And then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. And those dinner hours, they just went bye-bye. And in the future, hopefully, we'll see them again. And that's one thing Absolutely. people keep asking us, like, when are you going to be open for dinner again? And we totally feel you, and we want to be there. And right now, we just can't commit to those extra hours of service mm-hmm. because, you know, we're All trying the to... the time. Everything we just described we got going on, we're doing that with just a half a dozen people. And right now we just need to kind of keep it bare bones just for everyone's safety and, and trying to get the most out of a short amount of time. But that's why we want to offer this pop-up. And if it goes well, hopefully we'll do it again. And, you know, there'll be more to follow after that for sure. Yeah. I mm-hmm. Yeah. As, if we can get the word out about this thing, I have no doubt it'll be a success. It sounds like a great time. Um, I'm really excited for you guys, and I just want to say congratulations. Like, two years, that's no joke. There are a lot of restaurants that don't last that long, and and you guys have done it, and you've done it while introducing, you know, like we talked about, a different type of cuisine, really a food item that most people haven't tried, and you're showing people that falafel can be pretty awesome, and that's a a really cool thing. So, Well, thank you so much, man. Yeah. And no, the the, the the thanks is all mine. Thank you for coming on <laughs> the show. You know. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah, it's been a, a warm homecoming, and we knew that if we can get that menu just right from Iowa City, that it could be a hit here and should be. And it's, you know, we got so lucky to land downtown on the 1600 block. And just want to give a shout out to Block 16 and Kitchen Table and Himalayan Java. And Sager, the, the Momo station, yeah, and Mercury. All of them. Like, it's a fantastic neighborhood. We've been mm-hmm. working hard Theater. to be a really cohesive unit, and we're excited to do that. In the yeah, future, we've learned but. so much from just being part of that community and that scene down there. And, you know, here's to a couple more years. We'll just keep building on That's that. Right. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, Get down to Falafel. You can place orders online. So place an order online, and then you can you can go pick it up, or you can have it delivered, which is awesome. You can go to the pop-up on Friday, September 11th, get some awesome food, or you can just get out to your grocery store, buy some hummus, discover how good that tastes, and then go to the restaurant. So All the above. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mike and Kelly, thank you again. I thank appreciate you. your time thank so, you. so much. We loved being Great. here. Yeah, thank and you. follow us on social media, too. Yes, that, too. You know, we got updates and cool photos and fun stuff too instagram facebook and twitter yes i'm there on all of them yep thank you all right that'll do it omaha thanks for eating with us